What's up, everybody? You're listening to a Friday edition of the 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. It's episode 35, so let's start by shouting out some of the all-time greats who donned the number. You got Frank Thomas, Baseball Hall of Famer, the Chicago White Sox, the Big Hurt. Great nickname. You got Ricky Henderson, another Baseball Hall of Famer, the Stolen Base King, Ricky B. Ricky. No one does it better in third person than that dude. And then in basketball, of course, you have Kevin Durant. You may not like him. You may not like the burner accounts, but you have to admit he's one of the all-time great scorers in NBA history. So shout out to him in the number 35. Now let's get right into this podcast today. A lot of stuff went down this week, and I think there's one thing that has to be talked about right off the bat. And I got this beer right here. I'm not drinking it right now, but I've got to pour something out for the Los Angeles Clippers. Rest in peace to the Los Angeles Clippers, the franchise that has been in existence for 50 years and has yet to reach a conference finals. Yes, that's right. Just a conference finals. Forget an NBA finals. They can't get past the second round and play for a Western Conference finals. Their history. The Clippers have a stench that they cannot get rid of. How much turmoil has this franchise been through? If I knew a Clipper fan, I'd bring them on the podcast today. Listen, I fell into the trap of rooting for the Lob City Clippers a few years back. They had my favorite player in Blake Griffin, and I'll say right now, I watched Blake Griffin before Chris Paul even was in the picture. His rookie year, by the way, they drafted him number one overall, and the curse of the Clippers even was in effect there because he had to sit out his entire first year after a knee injury. Bad vibes already. But that first year, I watched a shitty Clippers team throw alley-oops left and right to Blake Griffin, and I said, damn, this team's fun. And then Chris Paul gets into the picture, and all of a sudden... The Clippers are stepping on the toes of the Lakers, and Lakers fans, Lakers run the town of Los Angeles, they've always ran the town of Los Angeles, and the Clippers started to step on their toes. They were good. That Clipper team, that Lob City team, they were good enough to compete for a title. Them and the Warriors had some great battles before the Warriors went to a different stratosphere. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, those guys went on another planet, left the Clippers behind. But if you remember in 2015, you want to talk about collapses? This last collapse that we just saw this week when the Clippers blew a 3-1 series lead to the Denver Nuggets, that might go down as the worst. But even if you go back to 2015 when the Clippers were up 3-1 to the Houston Rockets and in game six, if you don't remember, that's known as the Josh Smith game. If you don't know who Josh Smith is, he was an athletic freak in the NBA, who really didn't have a jump shot. And that night, every single jump shot he took was falling. And the Houston Rockets, down in that game six, basically waved their white flag. James Harden was on the bench with a towel over his head, basically getting ready for a Cancun trip. And the Los Angeles Clippers folded. Absolutely folded with James Harden on the bench and Josh Smith leading the way for the Houston Rockets. That was in 2015. You want bad mojo? There you go. So when they collapsed against the Denver Nuggets, and this year the Clippers were the odds-on favorite to be NBA champions, when Kawhi Leonard signed 
and the Clippers gave up everything to acquire Paul George. I think there's about five unprotected first-round picks that they gave up, which might bite him in the ass. That's why people are piling on the Clippers today, and rightfully so. They had all the makings for a championship team. And the Denver Nuggets, a young squad led by Jamal Murray and Nikolai Jokic, who's averaging 25, 11, and 6 right now. He's out of this world, playing like a Bill Walton reincarnated. I didn't even see Bill Walton play. And by all accounts, way different player than Bill Walton. But everyone you talk to, everyone you hear, says this guy might be the best big man passing-wise to ever play the game. But it's still the Denver Nuggets at the end of the day. And the Los Angeles Clippers gave up a 3-1 series lead when they had Kawhi Leonard, who everyone, after last year's playoff run, cemented this guy as one of the all-time great closers in NBA history. And I think people were saying that without acknowledging that he might have won an NBA championship against a very hobbled Golden State Warriors team. I say that tongue-in-cheek because I hate when people bring that stuff up. But let's be real. That has to be mentioned when you're talking about Kawhi Leonard's championship in Toronto. It just has to. There's little things that have to be mentioned, and that's one. So I pour one out to the Los Angeles Clippers today. And I do so while still piling on. And Laker fans can pile on. I know my friend Devin Ross said, why are Lakers why are Lakers fans so obsessed with piling on Paul George just because he didn't choose them in free agency and instead a year after signing with Oklahoma City goes to play for the Clippers? Here's why. The Clippers were throwing subtle shade at the Lakers since they thought they were taking over during the Lob City days. And it all started with, remember the Clippers selfies? They share Staples Center with the Lakers. And they decided, you know what? We're sick and tired of playing under these Laker championship banners. We're just going to put selfies of our dudes up and cover those championships. So right there, Laker fans are like, whoa, 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 wait. This is our arena. You're going to cover up 16 NBA championships. One of the most storied, probably the most storied franchise in all of sports. You're going to cover those up. Just because you might be a better team for a couple of years in the city that we run. So it started there. And then this year when they got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they started a campaign. You drive down the 91 freeway here in Los Angeles and there was a giant billboard all year long that had the statement, we over me. Because I guess Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and the Los Angeles Clippers, the gritty Los Angeles Clippers, somehow were a team and the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis weren't. How that makes sense, I don't know. The Clippers just tried to have a little cute campaign run and that's what they chose to do. I think they had another one that said street lights over spotlights. The spotlight was always going to be on the Lakers. They didn't ask for these spotlights. LeBron James doesn't ask for the spotlights. He just clearly is the best player, One of probably in the argument to be the best to do it ever. And people just give a whole lot more shit about the Lakers and the Clippers. And that campaign, We Over Me, that's just a joke. 
And it's an even bigger joke today knowing that you guys blew a 3-1 series lead as the all odds-on favorite to win an NBA championship and you lost to the Denver Nuggets. Now you could come back and pile on. Those Clipper fans could come back and pile on if the Denver Nuggets somehow find a way to beat the Los Angeles Lakers. And right now, how can you count them out? How can you count out the Denver Nuggets? They obviously have a chance. They made it here. But Clippers, man, all this shit talk that's going on right now, and Paul George, I want to bring up a quote. This is the guy the Los Angeles Clippers want to play Robin to their Batman and Kawhi Leonard. Here's what he said after the game. Quote, there's always pressure to live up to title expectations. End quote. No shit. I think every single NBA player, every single star who wants to be amongst the stars of the NBA, Paul George was a I think, runner-up in the MVP voting last year. No shit. There's always pressure. I think you take that on. That's your responsibility as a star basketball player. He goes on. As a player, you want that. It's the first time I've been in that situation where we're expected to win. We didn't live up to that expectation. But I think internally, we've always felt this is not a championship or bust year for us. We can only get better the longer we stay together and the more around each other. The more we're around each other. The more chemistry for this group, the better. I think that's really the tell of the tape for this season. We didn't have enough time together. That is excuse university. You didn't have enough time together. You know who also didn't have enough time together is LeBron James playing alongside Anthony Davis. And they seem to be doing just fine. And you guys had a much deeper team and you guys didn't look in sync all season long. So that's an excuse right there. And that was the first time you had championship expectations. I'm pretty sure you went to a couple Eastern Conference Finals with the Indiana Pacers against those Miami Heat teams led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. So I don't know how this is the first time for you. I think this is probably the fifth time for you and you just haven't lived up to the bill. So the Clippers all around deserve a ton of the shit talk that they're getting this week on this collapse. Bubble or not, you guys weren't good or mentally tough enough to figure it out, especially against a young team in the Denver Nuggets. But that's it. I already got 10 minutes on the Los Angeles Clippers. If you have a beer, pour one out for them. Pour one out for the three Clippers fans you know. Let's jump to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm excited for this series since it started this week. The Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. I said on this podcast, my dream matchup in the Eastern Conference Finals was Jason Tatum going head-to-head with Jimmy Butler because I think Tatum's a future star in this league, and I don't think Jimmy Butler could lead a team to the NBA Finals, and I am getting killed for it, and I should be. Jimmy Butler is the engine to this Miami Heat team, and they are following his lead every step of the way. I mean, if you need a closer at the end of games with the Clippers needed against the Denver Nuggets, Jimmy Butler's a guy you want to plug and play. Because he just gets it done. He's not afraid, and I think every single guy on that Miami Heat team takes after him because they're also not afraid to take the big shot. Tyler Hero hit a big shot in game one. And game one should be highlighted by the block by Bam Adebayo. The young center for the Miami Heat. An all-star. 
Probably one of the best blocks you'll ever see in the NBA. In, over, in overtime, Jason Tatum drove to the hole for a chance to win the game for the Boston Celtics, take the lead, and Bam Adebayo blocked it with his left hand. It was a thing of beauty. And Miami wins that game after falling behind 14 at one point. So they go up 1-0. And then yesterday on Thursday night going up against the NFL, the Browns-Bengals game, the Miami Heat, a two-and-a-half-point underdog, they did it again. The Boston Celtics, I was driving, I was listening on the radio. It felt like they had the game in the bag. They led 17 points at halftime. Kemba Walker finally showed up after disappearing in game one, went one of nine shooting for three in that game. And he comes back in this one, I think he had 14 first half points. And everything was going right for the Boston Celtics. And then the second half came and they squandered the 17 point lead. And the Celtics end up losing that game 106 to 101. So now the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals hold a 2-0 series lead. And after the game, it wasn't about the Boston Celtics being out down 0-2. Or maybe it was. But the real conversation, the real story after that loss was the locker room of the Boston Celtics. Apparently, Shams of the Athletic reported Gary Washburn of the Washington Post, I believe, was live tweeting that there was explicit expletives coming from the Boston Celtics locker room, things being thrown, a scuffle ensued. So who was it? Shams broke the story this morning. He said it was Jalen Brown versus Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, probably the dog on that team. Always willing to take a charge, flop or not. He's doing anything to win the game for his team. He's the motor for that Boston Celtics team. And he went into that locker room after they squandered their double-digit lead once again and started screaming and throwing shit. Jalen Brown stepped up. They had to be held back. Do I think that's a huge story? No, I think it happened in the locker room. It happened in-house. And I think those Boston Celtics players have been together for, I mean, they've been in some big games. That little core of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart, they've been there. Marcus Smart's been in the league for six years. He was a first-team all-defense this year. I just think it was a heat of the moment. Obviously, he was pissed off. Jalen Brown said afterward, that's why we love Marcus. We just need to take that same fire and put it into game three and try to get back into this series. So I don't think it's a huge deal. They're not going through the media and talking shit. They were face-to-face yelling at each other, and I think that happens more often than we think in professional sports. They can make a big deal out of it, but I think Marcus Smart, I don't I don't even think it's a like that like who's going to be the guy to yell? I was having a discussion in my group chat this morning like how is Marcus Smart the guy on that team that's yelling? Aren't the other guys going to look at him like, "Dude, come on." No, I think Marcus Smart has a ton of respect from his teammates because they know he's willing to do anything to win the game. He's diving for loose balls. He's guarding some of the best players in the game. He's taken the charges, and he was upset at the fact that they squandered another lead. They could be up 2-0 right now. So I don't think – I think this series is far from over. But shout-out to Miami Heat. If you're going to root for anyone, if you want to root for an underdog, I think the Miami Heat are that team right now. I mean, Jimmy Butler went to a junior college. Crowder went to a junior college. Uh, uh, Duncan Robinson went to a D3. There's a couple of dudes on there that were overlooked and they're still playing with a chip on their shoulder to today. 
So if there's anyone to root for, I think it's the Miami Heat, and I'm an idiot. I'm an absolute buffoon for saying Jimmy Butler can't lead a team to a championship because it looks like he's going to do that. I can't say much else about it. I am no longer going to come at Jimmy Butler. But watch out for this series. It is not over. So then the Denver Nuggets will take on the Los Angeles Lakers in the Western Conference starting tonight, Friday, September 18th. Let's go. I think people are still going to count out the Denver Nuggets because LeBron James and Anthony Davis both announced as first-team All-NBA guys. A lot of people think Anthony Davis should have won Defensive Player of the Year. LeBron James, toe-to-toe with Giannis for MVP. Giannis ended up winning it. So the Lakers are odds-on favorites to win this series and go on to the NBA Finals. But the Denver Nuggets cannot be counted out, and Jokic is the guy. The Lakers played him a couple times this year. They held him to 16 points. Anthony Davis does a great job at it. I think that's going to be the key matchup, the two big men. And it's going to be one that's going to be electric. I think in this series, you're going to see a lot more Dwight Howard, who really couldn't play against the Houston Rockets in their small ball lineup. But the Lakers have to find a way to stop Jokic. And is it just the scoring? Yeah, he's averaging 20, 11, and 6. It's the passing. He gets that offense going. He hits the cutter to the lane. He finds the open man behind the arc. So as much as people want to highlight the Anthony Davis Jokic, because that's what it's going to come down to, and I think Anthony Davis should take advantage of that. But once again, it's going to fall on the other guys. Can the other guys step up? That's with all these series. Can the other guys step up? We could talk about the stars, but when it counts, at the end of games, you need those role players to step into their own, make big shots, come up big defensive plays. And the Lakers need Caldwell Pope, Danny Green, Caruso, all to pitch in, and Kuzma as well. But I'm fired up to watch Jokic and Anthony Davis. I think the series does go six. I'm not going to say five. I think Denver's getting discredited way too much. They came back down 3-1 against the Jazz. Came back 3-1, obviously, against the Clippers. So I think it at least goes six games. I do think the Lakers move on. And if they play the Miami Heat or Boston Celtics, I think it'll be a good one. And you're already going to hear talk. I'm only going to talk about it brief. You're already hearing talk about how this is the easiest easiest pass path LeBron James has taken to an NBA championship. And I think that needs to stop right now. Like it was his fault that the Los Angeles Clippers couldn't get the end, do their end and beat the Denver Nuggets. Like it was his fault that the Los Angeles Clippers lost. And now he gets to play the Denver Nuggets and not the Los Angeles Clippers. And we forget that everyone, I mean, there was legitimate sports writers TV personalities picking the Portland Trailblazers to potentially compete for an NBA championship if they could beat the Lakers. But now we forget about that. Now it's convenient to say, oh, the Lakers and LeBron, they played Portland in the first round. Too easy. Even though they lost game one and still people were riding Portland. And then in the second series, people said, oh, I think they'd rather rather play OKC than Houston. You don't want to face James Harden or Russell Westbrook. Who knows if they could go off? And then they steamrolled the Rockets, who looked pitiful in that series. 
And then that's just another stepping stone for LeBron. That was an easy one. So let's just stop right there. Stop trying to make excuses for these other teams and putting blame or placing it on LeBron that this is an easy run to the NBA Finals. It's not easy to be in a bubble for months. I think you have to be locked in, and the Lakers have been locked in, and they're doing their job. And if they play for a 17th NBA championship, I don't think there's an asterisk. So let's let's just get done with NBA talk. I thought we had to kick off NBA talk with that today. Let's talk about Thursday night football. I want to talk about, first things first, fantasy football, of course. It's a religion. I just showed some chest hair right there. I don't think I, I got two buttons undone. It's a Friday feeling. But let's talk about fantasy football. The Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals were the Thursday night game. And every other year, I think we would sit there and go, oh my God, we really have to watch these two shitty teams play on primetime television. This year is different. I think we'll watch any football game on television. I think the Cincinnati Bengals have a quarterback in Joe Burrow who was the Heisman Trophy winner last year. That's intriguing enough for us to watch. And the Cleveland Browns, for as much hype as they get, and however many times they fall on their face when we talk about them, they have guys that you want to watch. Odell Beckham Jr. being one. Baker Mayfield, starting quarterback. Another Heisman Trophy winner. Another. That's another guy to watch. So this game, I was excited. I had a lot of fantasy players involved. One being Odell Beckham Jr. And a lot of trade rumors were swirling this week. Was Odell Beckham finally going to step the F up? Was he ever going to return to what he was with the New York Giants? Well, he did the job. Early on, I believe it was the second quarter, I got a text message from my friend Patrick Holler up saying, is OBJ still on the team? And not even 30 seconds later, Baker Mayfield rolls out left, which I didn't think he'd do, but he planted his feet and threw an absolute bomb for, I think, 44 yards, touchdown Odell Beckham Jr. I get points in one of my leagues. But here's where my co-owner, Brian Dempsey, in one of my fantasy leagues, shout out to us. Pat us on the back because I don't think there's other owners in fantasy football on earth who are willing to let them hang, flop it out, and start two Cleveland Browns running backs. Who would ever do that? Would we really start Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? There's no way, right? You can't put that much stock into the Cleveland Browns. No one, ever. But this week we did. We did our research. We knew the Cincinnati Bengals had a tough time stopping Austin Eckler last week against the Chargers. We know they had two injuries on the defensive line. We knew they were going to give up probably six yards per carry in this game. And we also knew about the split time between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb last week. So we started both of them. Nick Chubb started off fantastic. I mean, if you want to watch a running back break tackles left and right, this is the guy for you. And I started to get a little bit nervous. I said, man, where the hell is Kareem Hunt? I haven't seen him in the game once. They put him in the game second quarter. Nick Chubb had already scored a touchdown. I think he was already up to 50 yards rushing on, I think, less than 10 carries. So I was fired up. Kareem Hunt comes in, gets the ball. And then the very next play, they keep him in, throw a little pass to him, touchdown pass to Kareem Hunt. That's points on the board. I was okay with one touchdown. But it goes even deeper. He scored two touchdowns on the day, one receiving, one rushing. Thank you very much. And Nick Chubb ran the ball 22 times for 124 yards and rushed for two touchdowns of his own. 
And Kareem Hunt in the fourth quarter had 76 rushing yards, 86 overall. Thank you very much. It all played out just how we expected, just how we planned. Two Cleveland Browns running backs in our starting lineup. Thank you very much. Both scored over 20 points and I think combined for almost 50. And the Cleveland Browns won that game 35-30. Joe Burrow threw for 106, or 316 yards, three touchdowns. Threw the ball 60-plus times. First quarterback since, I think, 1950 to throw the ball 60-plus times and not throw an interception. He looked poised, and the Bengals on the back end covered the spread, and I said hammer the Browns all day. They played a great Ravens team last week, got blown out of the water, but we know how good the Ravens and Lamar Jackson are. So let's ride the uh, uh, Browns. Minus five and a half. And the Bengals, great team because great teams cover. 35-30 win for the Browns. And we could stop hearing about Odell Beckham for at least a week. But that running back duo, I don't know if we'll do it again. But thank you very much. Pat on the back to me and Brian Dempsey. We're coming for blood this year. Now let's get into some games this week. Again, I'm going to give you three games against the spread. And I'll probably be wrong. I went one and two last week. You probably should fade me because I got last night's game wrong. So here we go. I'm going to pull up the website right now. I'm doing mybookie.com. I'm going to look at some of the spreads and tell you three games that you should pick. Obviously, I got my eye on the Rams going into Philadelphia against the Eagles. I said last week after that game when the Eagles blew a 17-0 lead that Carson Wentz couldn't stay upright. He got sacked eight times by the defensive line. And if you don't know, Aaron Donald, one of the best defensive players all time, is in the middle of the Rams defense. You got Michael Brockers. They're going to come eat. And right now, that spread started at minus three and a half for the Eagles. It's already came down to one. That means hammer the Rams plus one. I think they're going to win this game outright if you want to go money line. Carson Wentz is going to have a hard time once again getting rid of the football. And I'm interested to see if the Rams continue to go with their two running back set with Malcolm Brown getting the bulk of the carries because he looks like a stud. And lots of people think eventually Cam Akers will take that job. Who knows when? So Rams, money line, might plus one, hammer it. That's the first game. What's the next game we're going to go to? I'm looking at some of the spreads right now. The Bills minus six over the Dolphins. Don't really want to touch that one. Brian Flores, pretty good coach. I think he keeps that one close. The Colts minus three against the Minnesota Vikings. Here we go. I'll take this one. Because last week, Phillip Rivers... We thought maybe change of scenery. Maybe Phillip Rivers is a new guy with different weapons in Indianapolis. And again, in the fourth quarter, he was classic Phillip Rivers. I mean, at this point, you could put Stevie Wonder under center in a fourth quarter of a football game, and he won't make the mistakes Phillip Rivers is making constantly over the course of his career. So I think absolutely Minnesota, yeah, they look like shit for the majority of the game against the Green Bay Packers last week, but plus three, I'm taking the Minnesota Vikings going into Indianapolis. Please. And I know I'm going to probably regret that because Kirk Cousins is the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. But please, they give me them. I mean, Dalvin Cook's a great running back. They got Thielen over there who had two touchdowns late. And I just don't trust Phillip Rivers, and I probably will never trust him. And Marlon Max out for the year, so we'll see how the rookie Jonathan Taylor does. So that's two games. Rams plus one. Minnesota Vikings plus three. I should probably take a favorite at this point because if I keep hitting the dogs, we know it's not going to be pretty. Uh, Packers minus six and a half against Detroit. 
I'm not going to touch that. I think Detroit and Packers, it's a close game. Um, Bears minus five and a half against the Giants. The Giants' offensive line looked pitiful on Monday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Daniel Jones had a couple of dimes. Darius Slayton. Saquon Barkley had a couple of big runs. But my God, at one point I looked up at the TV and he had 12 rushes for negative two yards. You can't have that talented of a running back and have that shitty of an offensive line. It just doesn't sync up. It's bad business. Especially if you own Saquon Barkley and Fantasy, which I have not had the privilege to do. And I probably wouldn't touch him until that Giants offensive line figures it out. But I think that's one to keep an eye on, plus five and a half for the Giants. I'm not going to pick that one, though. I'm not. Jaguars still plus seven and a half against the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee, that Monday night game against Denver, it was boring. Goskowski, the kicker, missed, I think, four kicks. He made one to end up winning the game for them uh, by two points. They didn't cover the spread. I was pissed off because I had them that night. Uh, Washington versus the Arizona Cardinals. Of course, I've got a lot of stock in Kyler Murray. I'm going to watch that game. Um, I'm going to be a little bit afraid of Chase Young because he could probably break Kyler Murray in half. Uh, I'm not going to take that one. Here's the one I wanted to take. Here it is. And it's a favorite on the road in SoFi Stadium when the Chargers in their new stadium. Let's see what happens. Right now, the line is at minus nine. And I'm saying absolutely take the Kansas City Chiefs. Hammer them home. Tyrod Taylor and that Chargers offense, it's going to be tough to watch all season long. I don't care if Keenan Allen's over there, Mike Williams is there, Austin Eckler. They're not going to be able to play football with the Kansas City Chiefs in that offense. We saw how good the Chiefs were when they kicked off the season last Thursday night against the Houston Texas the Texans. Their offense was right where it left off. One of the best in football. Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in football. Clyde's Edwards Hilaire, the running back that they added to the mix. Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins. They just have it all over the football field. And minus nine, absolutely. I think the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Los Angeles Chargers by 14 points. So there you have it. My three games. Can I do better than one and two? Can I possibly potentially go three and zero in picks this week? Probably not. If you want to fade me, go ahead. If it works out for me, I'm going to rub it in your face. So right now we got Kansas City Chiefs minus nine over the Los Angeles Chargers. Minnesota Vikings plus three going to Indianapolis to play the Colts. And Los Angeles Rams, I might have bias involved because I'm a Rams fan. But plus one going into Philly against Carson Wentz and Aaron Donald is going to eat. The Rams defense is going to eat. Rams plus one. There's my three picks for the week. That's basically what I have for you today. Dodgers, I think playoffs start in two weeks. The Dodgers will probably hold on to the one seed. They'll most likely end up winning their eighth straight division title. They had a big series with the San Diego Padres this week. Won two out of three. But Kenley Jansen, he's going to give me a heart attack. I swear to God, if I don't survive one day, Kenley Jansen in the year of 2020, probably the year 2017 to 2020, took some years off my life. And I love Kenley Jansen. He's one of my favorite Dodgers probably ever because we saw him evolve to probably one of the leaders of this baseball team. And Dave Roberts isn't going to give up on him. But I think at some point, Dave Roberts needs to let go and say, hey, I think we need to have someone else get these big outs at the end of games and not Kenley Jansen. 
I mean, my God. He blew it against the Houston Astros and then against the San Diego Padres. He loaded the bases. And I'm breaking out in sweats at 9 p.m. at night because I don't know if he could get the job done. He luckily escaped that one. It was a big series win against the San Diego Padres because they got as close as one and a half games in the standings. But we need to figure it out at some point at the back end of the bullpen. And that's why Dave Roberts' job, that's why it's a tough one. Who knows when he's going to get the hook. And it's a shame that Caleb Ferguson, who is coming into his own as a guy out of the bullpen throwing 96-plus, he's going to get Tommy John surgery. So that's another thing that Dodgers got to think about. They got to find a way to shore it up. Tony Gonzalez's been pitching great. He'll be in the postseason rotation, likely. Dustin May pitched the other day, a day game against the Padres, piggybacked off a Gratterall start. I think Gratterall has potential closer in him. But the playoffs are in two weeks, I think. The end of September, it starts. I'm a little bit nervous. That first series is three games, and the new playoff format has 16 teams involved. It's going to be fun. But blood pressure is going to be at an all-time high. I want to thank you guys for listening to this Friday edition of the 10 After 7 podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at 10 After 7 and on the Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. Have a wonderful weekend. I'm out. Woo! Go Dodgers.